Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Great Obsession Podcast. How is that for an energetic intro since I've been shit at doing that lately? <laughs> I was just thinking that. I was like, wow, she's really she's really putting the pizzazz in today. I was really putting my whole no, chest. I'm not going to finish that sentence. Yeah, my whole chest <laughs> to that. Isn't that the saying? <laughs> Just, no, what the saying is like people will add ussy onto something. Like Taylor was putting her whole swift ussy into that song. <laughs> but then I couldn't think of like a, a thing. You couldn't so. think of an ussy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I didn't want to just say ussy. So, um, Ooh, okay. That. Welcome. Hi, welcome. To this podcast. It's kind of a cursed evening for us. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really sure why, um, but I'm Riley. And, and I'm Sam, and um, we are here today to talk about Ashes and the Star-Cursed King by Carissa Broadbent. Um, once again, I can't remember the title of this book for the life of me. I literally just had to like pull up the notes thing to see what the name of this book was. because It's, it's so many words. Why is it so many words? I don't. All of her titles are so many words. It's too many. I can't. It's. I tried making an acronym of it. <laughs> then I instantly couldn't remember the acronym. So then it was pointless. Yeah. But the fandom needs to make one like Akatar and like needs to come up with a catchy way to pronounce it. That pronounce the, the acronym. Because I'm sick of saying, hey, have you read S- Wings of S- Serpent Ashes Night? <laughs> Yeah, it's too much. It's it's simply but too much. We are really excited to talk about this because I don't know about you, but I feel like in contrast to how I felt about the last book where I had like negative three thoughts, I am like <laughs> overflowing with thoughts and opinions right now. Yes. No, I feel the exact same. Um, I'm excited to dig into it. I think we should have a lot of fruitful discussion. <laughs> To make up for our complete lack of discussion on the previous book. I'm so sorry to anyone who listened to that episode. Biggest flop of my life. I just, I don't know why we were so, we, we just like had nothing worth saying, you know? Like we were talking, yeah. but we were, nothing worth listening to. It's fine. We're still going to put the episode out because it's like, <laughs> we made it. We, we Here it is. <laughs> Here it is. Maybe that speaks to the experience we both had with the first book where it was just like, I feel like a lot of times the first book in a fantasy series, especially where there's kind of a lot of world building, it's like so much to absorb that it's hard to even have thoughts Mm -hmm. because you're just like, you're just having an experience. And now we were like in the world, we know the characters and like shit's happening and so now i've and also after two books you start to see i don't know habits that the characters have or habits that the author has that for better or for worse become repetitive Mm -hmm. so anyway um this episode contains spoilers for the serpent and wait i can do this the serpent and the wings of night yes and the ashes and the star cursed king by Carissa Broadbent. Which, like, even the titles are not that, like, good. 
like in relation to the actual plot it's true like i don't know what this means yeah the yeah who's ashes i don't know i don't know but let's just let's uh hop right in so without giving any thoughts what is your rating of this book my rating is shit i actually didn't think about this before (laughs) let's let's think let's think let's think let's think wait what did we rate the first one so we rated the first one in 8.25 which feels damn bold that does feel bold um i'm gonna give this a solid seven yes that might be too high but i was we'll go with that for now so i was thinking 6.5 okay okay i'll do seven you do 6.5 we'll see if that changes throughout the course of this discussion um what was your experience like reading this chonker of a book So, my experience, I think, was a bit confusing in the sense that it it was a huge book, but I read Mm -hmm. it pretty fast, Um, Mm -hmm. and I've had some trouble lately getting through books very quickly, so I was actually pleasantly surprised that I got through this one as quickly as I did, but then I was like coming on to the end I was toward I was getting ready to finish and I was like what am I reading (laughs) what what is this and like I finished it and I was left with such an impression of like like what happened where am I and then I just put it away and had no further thoughts to give it was normally when I read a book that's this large this fast I have a lot of mind energy that's like dedicated to just like dwelling on the book right like Mm -hmm. usually Mm -hmm. I close a book like this and I'm searching through the fan art I'm searching to see what's on fan fiction I'm searching to see like any like crumbs I can get to like continue the story and the world for myself and I had Uh zero impulse to do that when I finished this book which I think speaks significantly to my like experience like I I didn't I read it quickly so it wasn't a negative experience reading it it's just when I finished I was like why you know what did I just read the shadow it's the shadow and bone effect remember how we both read shadow and bone and then we were both just like huh what <laughs> yeah. did we just read but this was this was easier to read than shadow and bone for me yeah yeah i don't know no, i would agree there's something about this series that's very palatable like it's very easy to consume but doesn't have any like like thought behind it i don't know um what was your experience so mine was i'd say a little different Because I started out just, like, not wanting to read this book. I think because I'm just in, like, it's a billion degrees where I am. It's super sunny. I'm watching, re-watching season one of The Summer I Turned Pretty. Like, that's my state of mind right right now. So I'm, like, sunshine, romance, teenagers. And I was, like, like, I don't know if I want to go back into a dark world of vampires. Especially when a point that we never really got to in the first episode the episode 
where we talk about the first book because we're flops <laughs> is that <laughs> it was like really interesting while we read it and then afterwards it had no emotional impact and we had no thoughts mm-hmm. and so I just it didn't really make me want to get back into this world and so I was kind of like bah. so for the first half of <laughs> what was that noise I just made I'm sorry <laughs> I am too self-aware right now. I, what was I saying? Oh, my, when I first started this book, I feel like I was filling the room with negative energy, just being like, I don't want to read this. Mm -hmm. And starting it, it's just, it's kind of frustrating at the beginning because Mm -hmm. Aria's mad at rain and there's all this unrest in the kingdom and there's like all this politics that I don't really care about. Um, but then as I continued to force myself to read it, I found that I was actually enjoying it because the pacing was great and, uh, and I was invested in certain aspects of the story. Mm -hmm. And then by the end, I was kind of like, okay, like I wasn't completely emotionless at the end, but you know, what did it for me is then I read the author's note and I read like just how much. I don't know if you read it, but Carissa Broadbent, I just feels like, I feel like she really puts her heart and soul into these mm-hmm. characters. And so then I was just like reflecting on, on that and how I felt like she really came through for these characters. Mm-hmm. And, and then I found myself seeking out fan art. So ah. I kind of like ended up being more emotionally invested by the end. Than what, I a, thought I would. what a journey you went on. I know. I know. Isn't that interesting? I, like, started out being, like, fuck my life, and then I ended up, like, actually being invested, whereas you were, like, (laughs) let me get right into this, and now you're, like, zero thoughts. That is very interesting for us. I know. I I wonder if over the course of this discussion we'll be able to pinpoint why. Yeah. It might take some exploring, but hopefully we actually get there instead of making our point after the episode like we did last time. I know. It was just so funny because we we stopped recording and we immediately had like such a coherent, like real tangible thought and like cracked the code on that book and why we were struggling to talk about it. And we were like, well, well, didn't, like, well yeah, didn't record it. So it doesn't exist. Yep. Uh, yeah. It's that was really uh epic fail of us as the as 2010 would say. Yeah. So where to start? I know. Oh, you know what we haven't done is we haven't talked about our drinks. Ah, yes, yes, yes. What are you drinking? I am drinking a decaf hot latte. Ooh. Ooh. I was I needed something cozy, and I cannot do caffeine this late. That would mess me up. Um, and so decaf it is. <laughs> what are you drinking, Riley? Please tell me. <laughs> the most cursed drink on earth. <laughs> Can you hear this? <laughs> it's just because the vessel is cursed. Yeah, <laughs> the vessel is cursed. I'm drinking out of... The disco ball cup that I got at the Eras tour, I was like, this is fun. I'll drink out of this just to feel something. But <laughs> then it it's like the jangliest thing on earth. So mistakes were made. And then I tried right before this episode to switch vessels and I can't open it. 
So this thing, I paid like $40 to get a drink in this thing. And now, flop. It's just, it just is so funny because I feel like this disco ball to me is legendary. Like not <laughs> only was it like $40, but it's, it's just the tiniest little thing I've ever seen. And then for it to be so loud and you can't even get it open to like fix the problem kills me. Just, I, I am obsessed with that disco ball. It is... Part of my lore now. Uh, Truly, truly. I hope it helps you feel something today. (laughs) I think it already has. (laughs) I think so. (laughs) Um, But that does... Not to forget what I'm drinking out of it, which is um, a mixture of this strawberry peach juice that Jacob has and watermelon... Sparkling watermelon juice from Trader Joe's mixed together. That sounds extremely tasty. Mm-hmm. As despite being very loud and jingly and probably going to curse whoever's editing this episode, it's very delicious. Good. I'm I'm glad it at least has that win for itself. <laughs> I will say I thought of you the other day because I was watching like an Instagram or it was a YouTube um video about this because I was like, oh, how should I get my life in order? Let me watch this this 18-year-old tell me how to like, oh, no. get that aesthetic life. But she was like, and every morning I get up and I drink my Olipop or whatever. And I was like, hey, Riley was right. This is what the girlies are drinking. Look at me. I'm on the mm-hmm. pulse. I know what the girlies <laughs> truly, are doing. Truly. An icon. <laughs> Uh, who's drinking olipop in the morning though that's like kind of fucking crazy it's like bubbly drinks in the morning are not it for me you gotta drink like something creamy first i think she was like having her olipop with like a lemon you know how like lemon water girlies are like a vibe and she like wanted a little a little zust i guess yeah good for her god bless her on her journey yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay (laughs) okay where were we (laughs) i have no fucking clue oh we didn't know where to start um ah so i made no progress (laughs) god no but we have thoughts we have thoughts we have thoughts we can do this we have brains yes we wrote down our thoughts we did in the most chaotic notes in the world but we did write down our thoughts i think part of the problem of where of how we don't exactly know where to start is because Riley and I simply have so many thoughts about this like there's so many things that I feel like we just want to discuss and um Wait, have. I I know a good I know a good starting point. Tell me. So this this book unlike the first one has dual POVs. Yes. So how did you feel about Rain's POVs and do you feel like they were distinct from Araya's? So I do generally love a multi POV. Um, that mm-hmm. is something that I I like. In this instance, I did not feel like they were particularly distinct. I actually had a few moments where I was like reading, and I would be like, "Wait, I actually don't know like whose POV Who's I'm talking? in." Yeah, and I would get mm-hmm. like confused about like who was speaking and who was where and things like that. Um, I think 
it's interesting that she chose to do a dual POV because I, I think in the first book, part of Araya and Rain's relationship is that they sort of connect on this common thread of they they are similar people and like similar personalities and like that's what resonates between the two of them is they're kind of two sides of the same coin. So mm-hmm. then to have both of their POVs and knowing that they have pretty similar personalities, it was just like I don't know that I would say it's poor writing because they do have very similar personalities. Um so I I I never was like, oh, this doesn't feel like Rain's thoughts or this doesn't feel like Aurea's thoughts. It just was like, these could be either one of them because they have the same thoughts. And I was confused as to where I was sometimes. What about you? I had a similar experience. You know what I really liked was the interludes that were about Rain. Yeah, Those were effective for me. But being in his actual, like, actually being in his head... I felt like it, like you said, he thinks very similarly to Aurea. So while it felt in character, it was hard to keep track for me often of who's talking. Like there would be times that I just wouldn't, I would kind of breeze over the chapter heading. And so I wouldn't see that we had switched POVs. Mm-hmm. And then I would be confused for a second. Like, wait, why are we talking to Vale? And then I was like, oh, I'd have to turn a few pages back and be like, oh my God, this is Rain's perspective. Yeah. No, that happened to me multiple times. And sometimes I was like, I was really trying to pay attention to the chapter headings, actually, in a shocking turn of events. I was really being attentive wow. to that because I was getting sort of confused. And even still, I would get several pages in and I would – I, like, couldn't figure out who was taught. I would, like, forget. It was just so confusing for me to have multiple POVs. <laughs> I was surprised. Yeah. You know, I what I think I like is when there's when it's third person omniscient, but mm-hmm. we switch POVs like Throne of Glass style. That's what I like. I don't yeah. think I really love first person. That's actually dual POVs. a really good point because I don't know how many first person multiple POV books I've read. I feel like it's almost always in more of a third all the books i'm thinking of where i really enjoy the multi pov they're like third person mm-hmm. um yeah i was gonna yeah. say something what was i gonna say talking about what povs first person multi povs um oh so when you were saying like with a th- something <clears throat> else that i felt like was lacking from these multi POVs is normally you're getting multiple perspectives because there's information that one character is getting that the other character isn't. And so when you Mm -hmm. have the different POVs, you as the reader are getting all this information, but the characters are not all on the same, you know, don't all have that level of information. And Mm -hmm. in this book, if Araya found out a bit of information in this book, Rain would know within like the next chapter or so and vice versa. Mm-hmm. If Rain finds something out, Araya finds out. So it never felt like the multi POV was necessary to like really add dimension to the plot. 
And right. so then it feels like the only purpose that it should serve is to like add emotional depth and character development, which because they were so similar, it didn't really do that either. So it just was kind mm-hmm. of an, an odd choice for me, especially because they were in the same place at the same time. You know, it wasn't as if right. one of them, like, Araya's perspective is like her stuck in her room and then Rain's perspective is everything that's happening in the castle. It was like, no, they're like just perspectives on each other kind of. Um, right. And they like have the same thoughts about each other basically. So I was like. Yeah, they're like basically the exact same character. <laughs> yeah. Which. Oh. Good segue. I was going to say that is a good segue because. I think in the first, we did kind of briefly touch on this in our previous recording of the first book, that there was always something missing with Rain and Araya's relationship. And, like, it was mm-hmm. strange because, like, in the first book, when we finally get to the point where they more or less get together, there was something, like, emotionally lacking and it wasn't terribly satisfying. And mm-hmm. I felt... I at least felt the same way throughout this book where I was like, man, I just like, I'm not like rooting for them. Not that I dislike them and I don't want them to be together. It's just like, I have no emotional investment in them. And I do wonder now that we've sort of raised this point is, is it difficult to have emotional investment when the characters are so indistinguishable from one another? Honestly, that might be it. You might have just put your finger on it. Because I think also, Araya has a pretty clear arc throughout the mm-hmm. series. And I don't really feel like Rain does. I feel like he's Agreed. just kind of like Araya, but without an arc. Yeah, and it's really interesting because we talked about this in the first um, episode. We really like... Araya as a character because she really stands out as like having very identifiable like personality and like characteristics and like her actions and her words really align with who she is as a character. It's like very definable. And mm-hmm. I think maybe in the first one, because we didn't really have Rain's POV, he came in like we gradually Araya was getting to know him. So it wasn't as if we were introduced and supposed to, like, really know his character very well in the first one. Mm-hmm. So we didn't really notice his personality as much. But in this right. book, with the dual POVs, and we have so much rain screen time, it's like, oh, yeah, he, like, has no definable characteristics that are unique to him that Araya doesn't also have. Except for the fact that he can, like, cook that's, like, his singular yeah. trait that he has. Like he and he does it, like, twice the whole series. I know. And he, like, doesn't have any personality aside from the fact that he, like, can cook. That's so true. I didn't even realize that. And I I know something we said in the first episode. Okay, maybe we actually did make a point one time <laughs> in the first episode. When we talked about how Rain was more interesting when Misha was around. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's because she kind of brought out this... I don't know, like their character, their relationship was interesting because mm-hmm. they clearly love each other a lot, but they're, it's very platonic and he cared for her enough to put his life in danger when she cared for him enough to enter the Kajari to f- 
force him to like try and uh, reach his potential essentially mm-hmm. so like something interesting was happening there and then she kind of disappeared from the first book and then he just like uh, just became like a man like he was just a guy <laughs> when it's funny because now that i really think about it the men in this book are not particularly distinguishable from one another i think septimus and then um Oh my gosh, what's it what's her dad's name? Vincent. Vincent are the only ones where I feel like I can picture them clearly ish. Mm-hmm. Um they feel like they have like their characters like have a persona, you know, there's like something distinct about them, but then the other characters, mm-hmm. I think about like Rain and Vale and what what was the guy who betrayed them? Cordis. Um, yeah, I don't oh, know how to say his name. Karis? Kyrus? Kyrus? Oh, is that who it is? And then, like, uh, the other guy. Like, there's, uh, there's all these guys. And they played pivotal points in this book. And I can't even remember their names. Because they just don't stand out in any way, shape, or form. They're, like, really blah characters. Versus the girls... Mm-hmm. I think about uh, Mish, is that what? Misha, Misha, um, Lilith, who was great. Uh, yeah, Jasmine also very entertaining to me. Like Love all her. these girls, women, excuse me, who honestly are not getting as much screen time as the guys. Feel like they have much more tangible personalities and like characterizations. So mm-hmm. I do wonder if maybe that's a strong point for Carissa is that she's very gifted at writing female voices and like realistic female personas and she sees them very clearly versus the male characters not quite as much. Yeah. No, I agree. And that actually kind of leads to another point that I had thoughts about which was the 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 big bad in this story was essentially Septimus and this Simon guy. Simon. <laughs> and Simon was like go girl give us nothing. Yeah. Like I didn't know what was motivating him. I didn't know why he hated Rain so much. Like it, he was very one-dimensional and especially at the end like he gets this device mm-hmm. like implanted in him. And and it's not effective to me because he just, like, loses any personality and he's just, like, a fighting machine. Yeah. And I was like, there's nothing, like, emotional about this end fighting scene for no. me. Well, and it's interesting because I, I think it was supposed to be emotional. Like, it was supposed to be this moment of Rain, like, facing his past and, like, a past mm-hmm. abuser and, like, showing... That, yes, he's a turned vampire, and yes, he was a slave, but he is capable, and he is strong, and he can, like, come out on top and everything. And so, Mm -hmm. like, plot-wise, everything indicated that it should be, like, a real, like, emotional moment. Mm -hmm. But reading-wise, it just wasn't. There was, like, no emotional impact or buy-in at all. Even when, like, Rain was basically dead. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. I was not having feelings. <laughs> it's like, fine. Yeah. 
I think it didn't help that Rain died in the first book and then we brought him back to life. I was like, well, no way, like, he's going to die here, you know? Yeah. And then, my gosh, that actually reminds me, there was a line in this book that said something like, it's, it was some sort of foreshadowing that Rain would die again. God, I don't remember what the line was, but it was at the beginning. And I was like, oh, shit. I don't remember where it was, but it was somewhere in there that it threw in this line that was something about, like, Rain would die a second time. And I was like, oh, is he going to die at the end? Like, wow. And then he didn't. Like, he didn't die. He mm-hmm. was dying. Mm-hmm. And he was recovered. But, yeah, that's kind of odd to me now that i'm thinking about it yeah i just overall i feel like rain as a character just didn't work as well and i feel like carissa was trying like she was trying to give him this Mm -hmm. arc of like someone who was coming into his own and you Mm -hmm. know really gaining his own self-worth after years of being degraded and belittled and then like trying to forget and escape all of that um but it just didn't quite land Mm mm-hmm like she wanted it to. In contrast, I felt like Araya's arc really mm-hmm. landed for me. Yeah, I enjoyed Araya's arc a lot more. I think that final portion where she's in the cave situation and she's going through all of Vincent's memories, like every layer of the protection, I thought that mm-hmm. was really a well-used device because, yeah, you know, similar to Aurea, we as the reader have been facing this struggle since book one of, like, is Vincent a good guy? Is he a bad guy? Like, what were his motivations? Because he is kind of confusing in that sense where he tries to protect her, but then it's like he should have killed her. He killed everybody else. And there's this tension. And then as she works through these memories you get to put those pieces together with her. And Mm -hmm. that was very effective. And I think it also provided some real closure on the Vincent chapter that was really satisfying versus the closure on the Rain chapter did, did not feel particularly satisfying when he faces off with Simon. It was like... Right. Very lackluster. So... It's interesting that they were happening like side by side when I like as we were reading because there was alternating POVs, which I think is mm-hmm. a very clever device when you think about their actual arcs. It just like parallel. Yeah, yeah, because they were literally paralleling this like final battle and like final like moment of closure. But as I was reading, I just was like, get me to the Orion <laughs> chapters. Like I'm Same. I don't want to read anymore about this like meaningless battle to me and it's like an internal monologue i just i was over the rain chapters i wanted to be in araya's pov yeah i was the same especially because rain's pov that final battle had one of the worst cases of something that happened a lot in this book (laughs) which is that people would get really injured and then keep on fighting and it was not effective for me reading because there was no, like, description of what the injuries actually were. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know. I feel like reading other fantasy novels, like, someone breaks their leg and then there's stakes in the battle. Because suddenly you're like, oh, shit. Like, her leg is broken. She can't fight. But instead it would be like, it was like Rain was using his sword and then he was like, suddenly my left arm wouldn't work. 
And I was like, oh, okay. So he has to fight one-handed. And then a few minutes later, his his arm is working again. Well, and what makes that so confusing is because he, his, he was using his left arm because his right arm was broken. That, so that, and then so... It- Here's this was another beef I had with this book, both in the action scenes and in the sex scenes. If you like oh. were really reading where people's body parts and like positioning was, it was a lack of consistency. I was like, this is not physically yes. possible. And yes. I would be like, okay, so her back issue. is to him. And then whatever he was doing to her, I was like, okay, so clearly she's facing him. Like it was yeah. a lot of confusion over where, like, people were colliding, whether it be fighting or sexually. I It was yeah. just like, what? Um, it was like a spatial awareness <laughs> problem. Yeah, like a continuity problem. And really mm-hmm. quick, because I know the conversation's about to deviate into this, but I want to put a pin in, like, the Aurea and Vincent closure Mm. part Mm -hmm. because i do want to talk about that more later but i yeah we got (laughs) it this is where i really have the most thoughts is with the the continuity and the the battle scenes and the sex scenes and just certain things in the writing that were really grating to me Mm -hmm. um oh my god the there she is (laughs) was just Oh, I never want to hear that again. It was so annoying and it it didn't mean anything because it was just used so much. It was used so frequently and it was just like so cringe by the end that I was like, Mm -hmm. like, like you said, what does it even mean? Because he would use there she is when she's angry. There she is when she's happy. That like, oh, she's showing an an emotion. There she is. And I was like. No, like it was cute the first time where it's like she's been shut down for a long time and it's like hard for her to like finally like break through and it's like, ah, she's back kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then we just kept using it and using it. And then Araya was like, and I knew Rain was, I could see the look on his face and he was thinking, there she is. I was like, ah! <laughs> stop. I was like, Megan, stop. Uh. I mean, I wish we could count how many times that was said in that book. It was out. Yeah, it should be a drinking game. Truly, truly. Yeah. I think that I was every time he they say there she is and every time they say son fucking take me. <laughs> I hated that line. It drove me crazy. It was like this random aside that they would just throw in anytime like literally something happened. Mm-hmm. Like Araya would turn around and just like see rain and see the look in his eyes. Son, fucking take me. He was looking at me like, I was like, I don't need, maybe this is why I have beef with first person perspective. Cause I don't need to hear every time you're like, well, gosh, darn. Like, just tell me what you're seeing. I don't need to hear your, your repeated reaction. If it's going to be the same every time. It was so annoying. I think it was really the book started there was just like multiple things in this book that were repetitive like Mm -hmm. dialogue that was repetitive 
thinking that was repetitive, you know, whenever Araya was like mad at rain or like into rain, like her thought processes, her commentary was very similar every single time. And then the plot itself was just a rinse and repeat over the course of this Mm -hmm. whole book and it's just it's so frustrating when the characters are like this is our last stand and like throw every soldier we have at it and then they end up on the brink of death and they're like okay now we're gonna do it again like how many soldiers could they possibly have left by the end i mean seriously because First, they throw everything. She tells Jasmine to throw all all of her soldiers at it for the like the ta- the attack on Siravan. The armory, yeah, the armory, and then they do it again when they attack the city, mm-hmm. and then they do it again <laughs> when they attack the. Um, the like very final ruins battle and each one of those are like catastrophic losses they were like it's, yeah it's immeasurable how many people we've lost it's like hundreds thousands and i was like how are there any of you left i don't i don't understand you know what this reminds me of is in the first book when there were multiple feasts and every single feast it was the same line of like this feast absolutely dwarfed the last one. <laughs> but then, like, provided no further description. So you're like, what does that mean? The last one was supposed to be really grand. I know, I know. <laughs> it was, yeah. It was just a lot of the same sort of things over and over again that weren't moving us in any discernible direction. So it's not only like, oh, we didn't gain anything from this but also, the stakes didn't increase because of it. It wasn't like things got right. worse. And so that to me was very confusing. I feel like the lack of stakes is really what this boils down to. Yeah. Like it, it leaves a lack of emotional investment in every battle scene because every battle scene is just like that seems like there's no stakes because they're all just repeats of the same thing. Mm-hmm. And... There were never any real stakes with Araya and Rain's relationship because, it, I don't know, it was just obvious to me that they were going to end up together. And at the end, like, I knew Rain wasn't going to die, and so there were no stakes there. Mm-hmm. So it was just, like, the only time I was, like, truly emotionally invested was with something regarding Araya and Vincent. Yeah. Yeah, no, I would agree. And I think... That potentially if maybe the side characters had been given more development and like more interesting than we could have had. Because not a single side character died. Like no no, no good guys died. And so yeah. even then it's like, okay, well, you're all making it through more or less unscathed. And so I just was never convinced that anything like truly bad was going to happen to anyone. I was, like, unconcerned. Yeah. Yeah. No, you, you know what that reminds me of is um, in A Court of Wings and Ruin, if you haven't read A Court of Wings and Ruin, skip the next 30 seconds. When, because this is a spoiler, when Resand gives that, like, really heartfelt speech to the inner circle and, like, all the warriors before they go into the big battle, and you, like, think that, 
like and it's like so emotional you're like oh my god people are gonna die and then like no one nobody di- like dies. everyone who dies comes back to life and like no one dies yeah yeah no. it's like where where were the stakes like now i'm not ever gonna be invested again because it's like you kind of lose trust in the author when mm-hmm. when you, there are no stakes yeah no, I agree. I think that's a really good point. And I don't think when I was reading this book, I was registering that there weren't any stakes. Um, but mm-hmm. I, I think that's probably why when I finished it, I just had zero thoughts, zero impulse to do anything with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think – I don't know what I think. <laughs> I actually forgot what point I was going to make there. Do you want to talk about Araya and Vincent? Yes. Yes, I do. Because that was the most effective thing to me. And this is where mm-hmm. I feel like like Carissa Broadbent really putting her heart and soul into this character really came through for me. Mm-hmm. Because it was really it was a really emotional journey. I felt like throughout the whole book, there were really great quotes where Araya was reckoning with her grief for Vincent mm-hmm. and also realizing like how much he had lied to her and manipulated her and and turned her into something that she didn't want to be but she also missed him i i had actually saved this one quote because i felt like this just really uh summed it all up this is on it's at towards the beginning page 185 she says vincent had ruined me he had saved me he had loved me he had stifled me he had manipulated me He had made me everything that I was, everything that I could be. Even the greatest parts of my power, the parts he never wanted me to find, were his. And now, here I was, pouring over every wound he gave me. And no matter how much they hurt, I never wanted them to heal because they were his. Like, that's a zinger. It is a zinger. And I think that it's just, I really appreciate a complicated grief experience i think oftentimes mm-hmm. in books it's like especially fantasy like somebody dies for whatever reason and the hero is going through this journey of grief but it's very flat in the sense that oh the person who died was clearly good they were always on their side they were always doing what was best for them best for the cause you know it's like that kind of grief Versus this mm-hmm. one is just like such a complicated grief that I think is oftentimes more realistic of mm-hmm. this person hurt me. This person did things to me that I hate and I hate these parts of them. But also I loved them deeply and now that they're gone I have to like reckon with those two sides of them and Mm -hmm. I think that made for a really complicated and really interesting journey for Araya and then Mm -hmm. adding in the mom storyline to the mix really added it like upped it for me as well one thing I did want to ask you because when we finished the first book at least for me I finished it thinking okay, she has the air mark. That's really interesting. What does it mean? Mm-hmm. She could be, like, could she be somehow related to Vincent or something like that? But I finished it being like, oh, this is an open question mark that they're going to solve in the second book. 
And the second mm-hmm. book immediately begins with, okay, so she's Vincent's biological daughter and she's half yeah. vampire. And I was like, when did this reveal happen? Did I just miss that? Yeah, it was. there was kind of a disconnect where Aurea was kind of like, damn, what does it mean? And then in this book, they're like, well, I guess we know what it means. Clearly means this. I was like, oh, okay. Because I, I thought that it was really interesting. I'm not mad about the way that it went in the second book, but when I finished the first, that was one of the things that felt most interesting to me is like, yeah. why did she receive the air mark? Like, how do we unpack this puzzle? And then that puzzle was just snatched away within like the first 25 pages. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay. So we're running with this. Um I just had to throw that in because I was like, maybe I missed something, but. No, yeah, it was, it was also a jump for me, but I was like, all right, yes, we've made this jump. Yeah, I just rolled with it. Um, But I did, all that to say, I really did enjoy the addition of her mother's story and Mm -hmm. her aunt as well. I thought that was really interesting. Um, And I think. I I just think it provided us so much insight into Vincent and, like, his complicated love for Araya, just, like, her love for him was very complicated. Mm -hmm. I appreciate that. I agree. I really appreciated that as well. Like, the part where she gets to experience essentially what he did when he encounters her in those ruins Mm -hmm. and is like, I need to kill this child, but then he can't. I, I found that really compelling and really... Effective and and something also interesting is that I saw some some Goodreads reviews because this is another thing I was invested enough to read Goodreads reviews oh. after this. Um, and w- some people were saying that they felt like the end was kind of heavenly fire y because she just like magically meets this aunt and suddenly oh wow this this magical jewelry is like solving all our problems and showing us to exactly what we've been looking for this whole time. And like I can see that, but I didn't it didn't bother me because mm-hmm. I really liked the addition of the ant and I thought it was actually really cool that like her mother's magic is kind of what saved her in the end mm-hmm. when her mother has been such like a non presence this entire series it it provided a lot of closure for Araya, who has always wanted to know her family mm-hmm. so i I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I really liked that as well. I thought the jewelry thing was a nice touch, though. I I will say I see the heavenly fire bit because there is an element where you think back and you're like, well, that doesn't totally make sense with Mm -hmm. like Vincent. I think that's where it kind of falls apart. But I did appreciate that Vincent gave her the earrings in the first book. And that's like a standing part of the story and like as she goes Mm -hmm. through this story she's acquiring each of these pieces that belong Mm -hmm. to her mother without like really knowing the significance of that and like because vincent gives her the earrings rain gives her the bracelet and then her aunt gives her the necklace and together yeah they like form her mother's map and i thought that that was kind of a a beautiful arc so to speak um and so like all the pieces of her life kind of coming into place yes exactly exactly so i thought that was decently well done and i also think 
that when Rain dies and she calls on Nyaxia and gives her, <laughs> like, when she takes the blood and is like, okay, bye, I'm not going to help you. I was like, oh, okay. I know. Um, I didn't know that that's how that, like, worked, but it's fine. And then Araya calls on her mother's god. I thought that was kind of like a beautiful moment of, mm-hmm. you know, she is these two halves. And in the end, the thing that saves her is like this side of herself that she's been trying to suppress and trying to, you know, she's really ashamed of her human half. And um, it's her human half that ultimately allows her to save Rain. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I think her really coming to accept the parts of her that she was always trying to run from was really beautiful and really effective. And I also just like thought that it was great closure that that final scene when she's um, down in the cave getting the vial of blood Mm -hmm. and like essentially says goodbye to Vincent. Yeah, I that I was actually quite emotional reading that. Because I, it were it really worked for me. It was really emotional because it was like she knew he wasn't there, but like he he kind of was. Mm-hmm. It was like his presence imbued in that magic, and so she was able to like give him a, a proper goodbye, and in doing so, kind of let go of, just a lot of the pent up, I don't know, just the lack of closure maybe that she, mm-hmm. she had because I think it really bothered her how things ended and she just never knew everything that Vincent hid from her. Yeah. And so she got to kind of face him with that at the end. Yeah. Yep. No, I I, I really so. enjoyed that as well. One thought I did have while we were talking about this um, is in that this, I cannot tell you how angry this made me, where <laughs> at the very end of the final battle and she like, they she gets... I can't even remember the goddess's name. As starts with an A. Um, do you remember her name? I don't know how to say it. Acacia. 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 Whatever. I said it so she comes down and she agrees to give them the Corate Coriatus bond. Bond, right? They yeah. bond, and then it's fade to black. Battles yep. over. Everyone's fine. I was like. The, what and they were like everyone fled when they saw the goddesses on the field i was like oh my gosh that was the biggest heavenly fire moment for me where i was like this is so this is such a cop-out i thought that they were gonna get the bond and their like mutual you know shared power energy was maybe gonna like heal rain or something and they were like gonna come together and be like a super bomb of power and just like Mm -hmm. kick ass and it just fades to black (laughs) i was like oh my gosh i was so annoyed i know like you never really know how the bond brings rain back no you you don't know what happens to araya you don't know how she gets to her room you don't know because it just seems a little dumb that like the house of blood Who's like trying to infiltrate the House of Night would just be like, oh, peace. Yeah. No, it doesn't make any sense. And like you said, like we don't even know what this bond actually means for them. And there was like one confusing part where Rain was like, it's not like I could hear her thoughts. 
or like know what she's thinking, but I can feel her every emotion. And I was like, so you can't like, I don't know. I was like, that's an awful lot of information. And do you share powers now? Do you share pain? I I had so many questions about like what the bond meant and we just got nothing. Yeah. It was just done. I know. I I will say I did appreciate that it finally came back Mm because a note that I made about halfway through the book was I like randomly remembered that Aurea had uh, promised Vincent that her wish after winning the Kajari would be to get this Coriatus bond with Vincent and I was like huh weird how like we brought up this magical bond and then it like never came back and then it did come back Mm -hmm. so I appreciated that but I agree it was not the world building was a little weak there because I don't know what that bond does Mm mm-hmm it it healed rain. That's all we know. Yep. He's fine. And now their air marks match. Yep. <laughs> so they're even more of the same character than, <laughs> than they already were. Literally identical. It's fine. Um, while we are on like the rain area subject, I'm really curious. What were your thoughts on the like sex scenes? On the sex scene, I've been waiting for this part of the discussion. (laughs) I think I've had a lot of pent-up thoughts about this, so I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say. Uh, I just... I had a similar issue, like I did with Akatar, where the wings (laughs) were, like, uh, something that made them aroused, and I hated that. I was like, I can't imagine that. I don't have wings. This is not helpful. Um, the drinking each other's blood. That's some Megan Fox and Machine Gun Kelly shit. I, not for me. <laughs> uh, it was also kind of giving like uh, Rowan and... I, I, don't, I shouldn't spoil that couple for, for <laughs> Throne of Glass. It was giving a certain couple in Throne of Glass who, had a, who did weird things like that. And I just it, it just wasn't for me. It wasn't for me. That's... The main thing I've got to say, and it, and they were also just having sex at the most inopportune times. Like, why in their first sex scene, it keeps mentioning they're both super injured, but it won't say what the injuries are. And so it's like, what? Literally, like, ten minutes prior to that scene, she's, like, thinking Rain is going to die in the street because, like... Like, the, he can barely he get up... He can't move. The stairs. And, like, and then they, like, get in there and he's just ready to go. I was like, oh, what? It was like, oh, the pain was just a distraction. It faded into the background. I was like, actually, that happened a lot in this book where pain was, like, a welcome distraction or something that just faded into the background that you could just ignore. And I was like, I don't think that's... That's never been my experience with pain. No, these people were, like, on the brink of death for 75% of this book and were just, like... It faded into the background. And you're like, that's not... No. He was literally, like, nailed to a wall. So yeah. much, so much wing nailing in, in yeah. this book. I was like... Like, first of all, when Araya is nailed to the wall, and then, like, he, like, saves her, and she was like, they're ruined, aren't they? Because she thinks, like, her wings are ruined. And he's like, why would they be ruined? And I was like, because they have holes in them. Yeah. I was like, I, and, like, yeah, they have sex when he has literal, like, wing holes. 
and well, and I'm pretty sure it said like parts of his body were nailed to the wall too, yes. or like really bloodied up. So how it just was really bugging me that it wasn't being specific. It wasn't mm-hmm. like oh, I don't know. It would have been one thing if like his ankle was really injured and he couldn't walk on that foot, but oh, I can lay down. Yeah. But it wasn't even that. It it just was like they're injured, and it just kept saying like again and again, our injuries were hurting, but we just weren't thinking. Of it. And I was like, what injuries? <laughs> like, why are we talking about these ghostly phantom injuries that are clearly having no effect on your ability to make freaky love to each other? <laughs> no, it's so true. Also, I it's funny because. They're in the final scene, like, the final time when they have sex. It's, like, this whole big thing about how she's, like, on bottom and he's on top. And Mm -hmm. I was, like, I was so – I was, like, have we not done this before? (laughs) I had the same thing. I was, like, wait. It was not specific about who was on top the first time. Or if it was, I wasn't paying attention probably because there was so much – continuity errors of like I know who is where and who is facing what direction it was hard to picture scenes in this book specifically sex scenes but just a lot of scenes it was like who where are they who's facing who who's sitting down who's standing up yeah I I I could not I was so I was so confused on every sex scene I was like I don't understand what's going on like I don't and like there would be times where I was like okay they're having sex, right? Like the act of mm-hmm. like intercourse is taking place. And then mm-hmm. I would read a little bit farther and then they would be like, and then, you know, he something put his cock in or something like that. And I was like, wait, so they haven't wait, been having sex already? yet? I was like, I'm so confused. <laughs> it was, it was really confusing. And you, <laughs> I'm just kind of baffled because I have seen people talk about this book like on Bookstagram and mm-hmm. Book Talk. And, and a lot of people are just saying pretty vague things like, this book was so good and spice level 10 out of 10. And things like that. And I just like don't, like if you're one of those people, can we, can you please tell me, tell me why you loved it so much? Maybe you'll like can you help me love it so much like it just was not for me maybe we, just because we both love to be overly critical here <laughs> also but maybe i'm really we're just... sorry if someone listening like really loved this book and thought the spice was 10 out of 10 like i really i did not think it was 10 out of i 10. did not and like in fact i skimmed by the end i was like i'm not same first of all i, like, I don't have time to read this so long so many pages and it didn't even feel like like foreplay like build up it was just like the same thing for pages and i was like i don't i don't need this this is not for me and the the blood thing i was like so this is my this is my kink line this is not for me (laughs) i was not about that i could not read it it was ick I mean, I'm sure it's, like, some people were in... I mean, I think that's why people like vampires, you know? I think there's something there for a lot of people. But at least for me, I was like, what? I was also so confused because for, like, a human being to, like, use regular human teeth to, like, bite into somebody, I was like, 
I don't. You have to bite really hard. <laughs> no, I was like, I don't feel like this is as simple as we're making it seem to be. I know. Gross. I know. It was. It yeah, was big no, ick. that was not for me. Like, honestly, in the first book, when they have that scene in the cave where, like, he's drinking her blood for survival, mm-hmm. but then she, like, gets really horny. That scene was fun. I yeah. thought that was fun. I was like, no, oh, she's I... getting horny for the... And it was, like, tension and whatever. But there was, like, not really any tension here. It was just, no. like, a lot of fucking for the sake of fucking. Yeah. <laughs> it was. There was no... It's, like, build-up, which is really interesting because they're having this back and forth. They're not together in the beginning of the book. So... Mm-hmm. You would think that by the time they get together, there would be, like, a ton of pent-up, like, sexual tension. And there was just not. Mm-hmm. I was so taken aback when they I, – I thought, no way are they going to, like, have sex right now. They're, like, going to have, like, a, a hot and heavy moment. But they're not going to have sex. Yeah. And yeah. then they just went for it. And I was like, what? What? Like, he's I know, dying. same. No, like, he's literally on the brink of death. Like – he needs to rest and heal also that's another thing and this happens in a lot of books in general is that people just don't sleep like people will go Mm -hmm. i feel like this used to happen a lot in throne of glass where people they'll go down to everyone gets down to sleep and then the main character is like i just couldn't sleep so i got up and started pacing and then suddenly like it's been the whole night and they've Mm -hmm. done all these activities and i'm like so when did you sleep also so rain and and I almost just called her Feyre. Rain and Araya did that. A I lot. know. When I was, and they did it so often that I was getting confused about like the time. I was like, yeah. like when they were in, um, at that creepy lady's house where Vincent is from. Evelina. That was that was big spooks. And I liked it. I was it was fun, say, like spooky fantasy in a good way. Yeah, I was really intrigued by by that whole portion. In fact, I. I was intrigued enough that I was surprised that we never revisited that particular thing again. I was like, that did not feel resolved to me, but no, it's fine. It did not. Literally something catastrophic would happen and then Araya would be on the brink of death and Rain would just fly her to a new location and then we would never hear about what happened at that previous place again. No, and you know what else drove me crazy is the, the night that Rain flies her to where her aunt lives. Mm-hmm. Like... How far away was that? Like, it wouldn't make it clear. It was like, it was just a couple towns over. But, like, she's on the brink of death. So, like, is is he flying for an hour? Is it all night? Is it a day's journey? No clue. No clue. It was two sentences, and they were there. Yeah. I was like, cool. When, but I was just going to say, when they're at the gal's, like, creepy lady's house. Oh, uh-huh. And then they, so they go to bed... And Aurea's not asleep, and she, like, sees that Rain is, like, awake, and he's, like, about to leave, and so they leave together. And so I'm like, okay, well, Mm -hmm. everyone else is asleep, so clearly the sun is coming up, Mm -hmm. and then they proceed to be outside for just, like, a stupid (laughs) amount of time, and then... Araya, then he leaves and she stays and he like wakes up the next nighttime and he's like, oh, she never came back. And I was like, how much time 
has passed. How long are these nights? Because I felt like they were outside for the entirety, for like so long. I was so confused. No, I I have questions. I don't know. The time was confusing. Also, what was confusing to me is I was like, so... They can wear heavy cloaks and be out in the sun and it's fine? No, okay, I actually didn't understand this. Because also, apparently, they can just be in the shade? <laughs> no, I was like, what are the sun rules? Yeah, or they can be in tents. Because like, there's a mention of the canvas tents being like kind of thin. And they can see the sun And the sun's them. shining in. And they're not getting sunburned? We never really see, like... Also, like, what happens when when a vampire is out in the sun? Mm-hmm. Besides, like, rain kind of getting blisters sometimes. Yeah. So, again, with the stakes. It all comes back to the stakes. All comes back to the stakes. What does it mean? So, yeah. Overall, it was just, like, a... It was an interesting world, and I thought we had a lot of really unique plot things laid out at the beginning starting point of this book mm-hmm. and I think Araya's journey with Vincent was really interesting but everything else was just like either confusing or the stakes were really low or it just simply was not vivid enough to get me any kind of investment whatsoever and so it was just like a, a bit of a blah for me yeah, I'm thinking the same. Like, I think this writing style is maybe just not my favorite, even though I I liked this book. Like, I liked mm-hmm. it. I think I would recommend it to someone. I just, it, I don't picture it, like, happening in my head like a movie, like mm-hmm. I do with a lot of other things I read. And I, I felt no attraction towards Rain, like I usually want to with a, mm-hmm. a male lead. And, and so I just wasn't really rooting for their relationship. And yeah, like I, it's too bad because there were some really strong elements of this story. Like I think Carissa knows how to do a plot twist mm-hmm. because I was engaged. Like I was engaged with the plot the whole time. Um, I was, I was never bored even when I didn't want to be reading it. I wasn't bored. I was just Agreed. being negative. But uh, I guess we're both just, like, pretty character-driven readers, and the only interesting characters were Aurea and Vincent. And honestly, Septimus, but, like, he just kind of dips at the end. My guess is he'll be in later books, but... Yeah, and that was a hard thing, too, is there were some things, like, the the Misha and the Shadowborn Prince, um, like, subplot, I felt like in this book was really sort of, like, thrown in it it was really it like read really strangely to me I didn't feel like there was enough like lead into that but I was like okay well she's like setting up the next book or the next Mm -hmm. series you know and same thing with Septimus I was like all right so there's there's a lot of setup being done here um I just think that maybe some of the those elements could have been tied up a little bit better in ways that left them still open-ended for future books but made sense for this book yeah yeah i i see in in your notes 
under Sam rant topics, you put <laughs> Misha. They give us nothing. Seriously, that was my big beef with the first book. I was like, dang, she was great. And then she's like taken out and we don't really ever get to see her again, right? So mm-hmm. I thought, okay, second book, she's all healed up. She's going to be a main player, main character. And it's the same damn thing. She's like sprinkled yeah. in here and there as like a device. And we are given nothing else. Yeah, I know. It's too bad. I know she's supposed to be the main character for the third book. So that's probably oh, why. I didn't know that. I found this out by reading the author's note, uh, which says... Though the Nightborn duet, which primarily follows Aurea and Rain, is now complete, the core Crowns of Nyaxia series is six books total. There's a lot to come. Book three will take us to the House of Shadow, and you may already be a fan of our next primary female main character, a bright and cheerful magic wielder who's masking some serious shadows of her own. Ah. Like, that's Misha. Yeah. Who else is that? Yeah. And then it's called The Songbird and the Heart of Stone. So... There's Misha's the songbird. Ah, there we go. Yep, there we go. Great. Um, wish I knew what the ashes were in the title of this one. Because like <laughs> the serpent and the wings of night, the serpent is very clearly Araya because Vincent calls her a serpent like 40,000 times. But I don't, I don't know what the title of this book means. Yeah, because I was like, Star-Cursed King, is that, is that supposed to be? Is it Vincent or Rain? It, I don't know. And that would mean uh-huh. that either way, Araya is ashes. Yeah. <laughs> Why is Araya ashes? I'm ready to explain. Also, this is, we should um, wind up. I'm just looking at the cover and thinking about Vincent's sword, which was never explained. Where did it come no, from? It's true. Where did it go? We don't know. Where did you come from? Like, I don't know. First of all, it burns Aurea initially, and then she's like, how could I think that it ever burned me? I'm like, so did it burn you or not? And then it shatters, which I was like, okay, that seems like problematic for this superpowered sword. And then I was like, wait, but why is this sword so powerful? Does it actually have magic? And then the humans, the sword that no one can touch, the humans meld into like mini swords for her. And I was like, Huh? That was another por- part that like took me out of it because the the guy was like, "Oh, we can." Aurea's like, "Can you forge these into dual swords?" And they're like, "It would be difficult, but we can." And then they do it overnight. <laughs> I was like, "I'm pretty sure that's not and how she's forging like, works." Gorgeous. Like, I think you have to heat it up and cool it off, and heat it up and cool it off. I'm pretty sure it takes hours. Not that I've ever forged a sword, but just logically. Uh, and it's like pretty. I don't think it happens overnight. It's like engraved and like special and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she like describes how beautiful it is. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah, another another suspension of disbelief thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, did your uh rating change at all over the course of this discussion? Yes. I I think it dropped. I'm trying to decide how far it dropped. Because the the because Aurea's arc really like gives this a really emotional element mm-hmm. for me um like a level of emotional investment that I didn't have in the first book so I don't love that I'm rating this significantly lower than the first book we might need I wish to we like, could, like re- retroactively change <laughs> yeah 
our rating for the first book. Because, yeah, no, I, I feel like this was a solid 6.5. Mm-hmm. Which, that's what we rated Addie LaRue, right? And mm-hmm. and Addie LaRue is another one where I kind of retroactively, I'm like, maybe I should have rated that lower. I was talking to Abby about it. Shout out, Abby. And she was Ooh. like, that book was so boring. Why'd you guys rate it so high? <laughs> <laughs> it's just really well, like, written. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this book was not super well written. I'm sorry, Carissa, because I, I, I feel like I really like her. <laughs> I just... Well, here's the thing. I think this book would have benefited from, like, some editing, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think that that maybe... I know she, like, had... Like, somebody edited it, I'm sure, but, like... But she is an indie author. Yeah, from a publishing house, edit this. And I yeah. I think it's clear that's not the case. Because there's a few things where... Like, even just you and I as, like, non-professionals, non-anything can go through and I could be like, hey, this scene doesn't make sense. Or, like, what's the background? Mm -hmm. Like, there were very simple things. And I think that's why it's so frustrating is they are simple things that had it been edited more thoroughly, I think, would have been fixed and ironed out. I will say yeah. I um I saw this book at Barnes and Noble, so she's made oh. the leap. Yeah, wait, that's exciting for her. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely keep up. Like I'll read the next book she puts out. I agree. I agree. In this series, because I have hope for her. Like I, I definitely think, like you said, with maybe the help of a professional editor and just more writing experience, mm-hmm. I think she can improve a lot. And something that she said in the author's note. Um, was that she was said something like this is the most this was the most difficult book I've had to write so far because I just really wanted to do Aurea and Rain's story justice hmm. and I do feel like she did Aurea's story justice agreed I think she accomplished that agreed Rain I think falls a little flat but I can see the effort yes I think Rain's story the actual like plot arc for him was well done. I think it mm-hmm. did give him justice. It was a good arc, but the actual characterization of Rain fell flat. And so the arc as a whole feels very lackluster as a result. But I think when I think about the things that she set up in his backstory and then what happens in the present and then how it finishes, mm-hmm. those as just like basic plot points write a really compelling narrative. It's just the the connection with the character is not there. It's true. I think that's why the interludes worked for me because mm-hmm. I was like, wow, this is like pretty emotional and, I, and I'm and i seeing like an arc happening here. But then like you kind of go into Rain's head and it takes you out of it. Yeah, and you're like, bleh. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. But there's that's why I think we did answer our, my question from the very beginning of like why did I sort of become emotionally invested by the end? And I think it's because... Aurea's arc really worked and I see where Carissa really really put her heart into it mm-hmm. and really tried and, and made something beautiful with this character yep and I look forward to reading her later novels anything else you'd like to say no no I think we we covered everything I really wanted to say I think a 6.5 is a solid score and I think we should have a like revisit a discussion on our serpent in the wings of night score yeah 
yeah, I don't feel like revisiting it. No, right no, no, no. I was going to say not now, just to be clear. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I would um, retroactively maybe change that rating yep. at some point when I feel like having more coherent thoughts. But I'm pretty brain dead at this point, so I'm glad we've made it Me to the too. end. <laughs> we got all our thoughts out. And with that. That's that on that. Thanks for listening. Uh, you can find us anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you want to hear more episodes, we love talking about fantasy. So uh, you should, we'd recommend um, looking through, seeing if we read any of your other fantasy obsessions. We love to talk about it. If you want to talk with us, you can find us at The Great Obsession Pod on Instagram and also via email at thegreatobsessionpod at gmail.com. We also have a Goodreads that we should really use called The Great Obsession Pod. and with that thanks for listening bye bye